In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It is difficult for many of us to imagine the disorienting position of the man in the gospel lesson. Born into a primarily verbal culture, his deafness would have immediately limited his ability to receive the most important things from others. And the impediment of his tongue would have limited his ability to give back. Of course, this was much more than a practical difficulty. The great commandment recited in almost every liturgy of Jewish life commanded all present to hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. How could he hear the great commandment of his people if he could not hear? Surely there were ways of communicating despite his disability. Yet, how could these not produce at the same time a sense of frustration and sorrow at being unable to sense what others took plainly for granted? He would have had to rely mainly on his sight to navigate the world. But how odd is a sequence of visuals without a language to make sense of them? The setting of our gospel lesson would have been as bizarre to his noiseless world as it would be for someone to be brought to this liturgy here this morning without an explanation, to be brought up for the, to the communion rail without anyone telling them what to do or what it meant. How disorienting it would have been to be taken silently in hand by familiar faces into a large crowd of people and then brought face to face with someone you did not yet know, to be touched by him, and suddenly to have your world changed by him. We take for granted, I think, how much we have received and how much we can hear and receive simply by living when we do. We have the scriptures in the format of a Bible that we can carry around very easily. We have the scriptures in our own language, and by and large, we are all literate enough to read them, which sets us apart from most Christians and most human beings who have ever lived. Yet for all of our access to the scriptures, we still struggle to find time for them. We resist the effort needed to study them, and we are lax to apply what they speak to us. As the Anglican poet T.S. Eliot once quipped, where shall the word abound? Where shall the word resound? Not here, because there is not enough silence. We have churches in our city on most streets, a wealth of places to pray and be discipled. We have St. Matthew's, dedicated to being a house of prayer and a place for godly community to gather. But it is still easy to find many other things to do it is easy to put off our times of prayer, our duties to our brothers and sisters, and our call to worship faithfully. We have all things necessary to live a life unto salvation in the kingdom, to become true saints. But for all that we are able to hear, for all the things that are, have been spoken to us, we still struggle to listen. For all that we have been gifted, 
We stumble at giving thanks. We struggle with the ways we are constrained in this world from perceiving and communicating and communing with God. And we also admit further constraints through our attempts to compromise with or control that world. Imagine, though, that the voice of Jesus was the first sound that you ever heard. Imagine that he was then the first person to whom you could say an unimpeded word. Would that sound not set the bar for every sound you heard thereafter? Imagine if every other sound became a guest in a world created by his voice and not the other way around. And would not the first clear word of our loosened tongues be one of thanks? What if the first thing we knew how to say was thank you and that gratitude was the neutral gear of our lives. At this midpoint of the Trinity season, that is the posture to which we are called to return together this morning to hear the word of Jesus saying, be opened, and to respond with thanks in Eucharist, for this is the essence of the Christian life. Jesus begins by healing the man's hearing declaring to the deaf man's ears, be opened. St. Mark gives us this command in the Aramaic of our Lord that he would have spoken, rather than the Greek in which the rest of the gospel is narrated. When we hear the word ephatha this morning, it is the precise word that our Lord used. It is St. Mark's way of ushering us to hear Jesus directly. Sometimes it is very important and matters very much to hear the exact word of Jesus. What he says in the command makes possible every other act of hearing beyond it in the gospel lesson. And in that same moment, being opened to hear, the man is also able to speak. Hearing and speech go hand in hand in the gospel. And despite Jesus' dissuasion, the man goes on and tells everyone what he has experienced at the Lord's hand and by his word. Being healed, he cannot but tell of it. As with all of the healing miracles of the Gospels, they are signs for the whole church. Any particular act of healing is a sign that all will be healed and everyone can be healed. Last week, Bishop Scarlett preached about the core of what we call tradition in the church, of the receiving and the bestowing of what has been revealed from generation to generation. This week, St. Paul elaborates in the epistle on this tradition by making it clear that the effective transmission of the gospel tradition is not based on the effective, persuasive efforts of its ministers, clerical or lay, that enables this transmission of the sacred tradition to happen. Instead, that which makes anyone who receives or bestows the gospel able and fit to do so comes from God himself. Every Christian called to bear witness to Jesus Christ in their lives 
does so because God has opened their ears to hear him and has loosened their tongues to speak of him. It is not an accident that anyone can speak truly of God and of the things he does. The man in our gospel lesson is thus indicative of us all. As Isaiah prophesied in his own time, we, having ears, may not always hear. Even if we have intact senses of hearing, we can still be very hard of listening, especially if we permit that unrelenting noise and distraction in our lives. Even if we are conversant about many things, we can still stumble over our words to tell another simply and unimpededly what we have known in Christ. We can all small talk, but we can still fail to make a good confession of the faith. But at the word of Jesus, as the gospel reveals, sound becomes meaningful, and our little words become the speech of prayer. This morning, Jesus speaks to us in the gospel to open our ears, and he comes to us in the Eucharist to touch and loosen our tongues. Every week, we are invited back into the position of the man in this gospel lesson. Every Sunday liturgy can be that new beginning that he experienced. Word and sacrament give us back ourselves each week and the fullness of the sense of life. We receive again that restoration of both our hearing and our speech like the man did. And we need to be restored in both. For to hear the words of Jesus, but not speak of them, makes us misers of the greatest treasure imaginable. But to speak without listening and watching our Lord attentively will only make us babblers and speak unclearly and untruthfully. The collect this morning reminds us that the Lord is always more willing to hear than we are to pray. We are the ones to whom he is always speaking, even when we fail or refuse to listen. We are the ones to whom he is always attentively listening, even when we fail or refuse to open our mouths in the language of prayer. As we turn then toward the second half of this Trinity season, and look even more attentively now to the coming of Christ, we begin to anticipate even now the day when from the other side of the closed door of every grave, we look to hear the command be opened. The word that ushers us into the resurrection is the word we hear in the gospel today. As we hope to hear it then, we begin to practice hearing it now. As we approach that day, we can do no better than to be brought back again, to entrust ourselves to the transformation of hearing and giving thanks to God through Christ in the Spirit. This is the Christian life, and there is no other. As Isaiah the prophet wrote, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. 
with the recompense of God, he will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then the lame shall leap like the deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams will break out in the desert. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.